1: This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun.
0: Hi, this is Alexander Sadik, Dr. Julian Bashir on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson.
1: From the Klingon Division of the Podfleet Command Adjudication Office, this is The Biggest Little Show this Side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, one and all, Klingons and non-Klingons alike, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 288. It's an episode we're looking forward to talking about today. I mean, anytime you're mixing some TOS and some Deep Space Nine, things are going to get fun. Until I bring in my co-host... Um, and this is the part where I do that. Nice. You know, if I were ever going to enter into a blood oath to to take care of Dan, I don't know that I'd be bothered, honestly, because he's just not worth it. He's, um, he's the largely indifferent Dan Davidson. And Dan, huh. uh, we got a fun one today, buddy. Uh, we
0: did. Now I don't know if I want to do it. Well, even so much the better for me. <laughs> no, thanks, man. As always, a very interesting introduction, as always. Thanks for, for doing that, I think. Um, but I'm very excited about this episode. It's one of my favorites of Deep Space Nine. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive this week into Season two's Episode 19, Blood Oath. It's a great fan service episode, but it actually has uh, a good story to it, and it brings back three unforgettable Klingons from the original
1: series. And I can't wait to talk about this one, buddy. It's going to be a lot of fun. I I can't wait. I, I'm looking forward to it. I actually hadn't watched it since really the last watch threaded of Deep Space Nine several years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and I, I get to look at it with fresh and different eyes this time. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about this. I think it's going to be a great discussion.
0: It is going to be a great discussion because um, uh, they got great... Great characters. I mean, how many times have we talked about how awesome John Colicos is his core? And, of course, William Campbell is Koloth and Michael Ansara is Kang. Awesome. Oh, they bring them all back. All on the same screen. It's amazing. M-
1: Michael Ansara, wasn't he Apollo? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it so much. Um, big news this week, Dan. Of course, next week we'll be in Las Vegas for Creation Entertainment's 56-year mission convention. Mm-hmm. I mean, like 130 some odd people from Star Trek as guests at this con, including you and I, who are kind of Star Trek adjacent as podcasters, (laughs) but appearing at our booth all weekend long, Dan, is a very special guest.
0: A very special guest. You know, we had the pleasure of spending some time with her at Mission Chicago back in April. And she just is one of the most wonderful people you'll ever meet. She's got an amazing singing voice. And Bonnie Gordon is going to be joining us all weekend long at our booth. Of course, she is the voice of the computer on Star Trek Prodigy of the USS Prometheus. So we are honored and very excited to have her on board. I got it wrong. because You got it wrong. Yeah, I did.
1: You want to take it back? Proto uh, star.
0: I'm sorry. I'll do it again.
1: Just take it back to uh, pretend I just said uh, we have a special guest.
0: Yeah, we have a very special guest, buddy. You know, we met her uh, at Mission Chicago and had a chance to spend some time with her and get to know her a little bit. Everybody knows her as the voice of the computer on the USS Protostar and Star Trek Prodigy. And we are honored to have Bonnie Gordon at our table in the vendor's room uh, all throughout the convention next week. It's going to be great. Come by and say hi, get some pictures, some autographs. It's going to be a fantastic time. We're so psyched about this because she is a bundle
1: of energy that you could not even believe. rock star energy and that's because she's literally a rock star absolutely i mean between her work on prodigy and her work singing uh she and other voiceover work she is just an amazing talent and we are just honored to have her at the trek geeks booth all weekend long so we hope everybody that's making it to vegas will stop by and if not be sure to check out you know bonnie's social media get a link to get her cds because she's amazing
0: She's amazing, and she's been on a lot of game shows, too, as it turns out. you know, this, this, <laughs> this year, she was on Don't Forget the Lyrics, and we won't talk about how she did, although I probably am going to give her a hard time. But it turns out she was also on Prices Right back in the day, and I guess she did pretty well on that one. Really? She, yeah, somebody posted about her being on uh, Don't Forget the Lyrics, and she said, oh, yeah, what about this? And then there she was in the showcase showdown uh, with, with Drew Carey or whoever the hell was posting it at the time, because I don't know how many people have been. But, yeah, so she's been on a couple game shows, so that's kind of fun.
1: Wow. If if I were on a game show, I would hope be Survivor so I could leave you on an island somewhere. (laughs) Anyway, we'll be right back. (laughs) Dan, as always, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Wow, man. In less than one week, we'll be at our booth in the vendor's room adjacent to them, and it's just going to be an amazing convention.
0: Oh, my gosh, man. I see some shenanigans in our future. I see some tomfoolery, maybe some horseplay, some hijinks, as it were, Uh, (laughs) and that's just uh, only between us and them. Uh, You, the fans, though, get to be part of some great new fan set swag, and many items will be making their debut at the 56-year mission convention in Las Vegas. So stop by their booth and pick up three—yes, three—new Strange New World deltas in either pin or magnetic form. You can get the command, the operation, and the uh, science—the sciences delta. All available at their table in Vegas and also available will be the Section 31 and Star Trek Discovery Deltas again in either pin or magnet form. And of course, the big one, this is the one I always look forward to, Bill. It's the annual Las Vegas poker chip featuring the one and only Beckett Mariner playing poker as a lieutenant, just as she was in season one's moist vessel. It is gorgeous. The colors are awesome. And yes, it is the correct colored uniform. Uh, and can't wait to get that one as well. Don't forget, if you can't make it to Vegas, head on over to fansets.com to see all the latest and great new releases from our pals over at fansets. Moist vessel. I Moist vessel. the way you vessel. just punched that word. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so you, everyone, you know what comes next. Head on over to fansets.com. Put that anniversary pin collection and some other pins, maybe more pins. And on top of that, you might want to get some pins and put those in your cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order. That's TREKGEEKS in all capital letters with no spaces. And of course, I mean, don't forget, when you spend more than $30 on fansets.com, you will automatically get free shipping in the United States.
0: Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Hey, if you're headed to Vegas for the 56-year mission, be sure
1: to stop by the Science Division Tribble Adoption Center. You know, you definitely want to stop by because if you adopt your Tribble in Vegas, you'll get a special custom-designed, gold-embossed, adopted-in-Vegas stamp on your adoption certificate. And I got to say, this is the only time when what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. (laughs) And why should it? You'll want to get this high-quality Star Trek collectible home to your collection as fast as you can. The fur, the sounds, the screaming at people who know you like Dan, you will love your Science Division Tribble, so be sure to stop by.
0: Yeah, they will love them, Bill, because, yep, you know what I'm going to say. (laughs) <laughs> Tribbles are not dangerous, my friend. Uh, so and subspace, subspace chatter is also telling me that there is a limited number of triple pixel art pins left. So be sure to adopt early to ensure that you get one. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode.
1: Well, Dan, here we are. Yes. We visit our main topic this week, <gasps> the Deep Space Nine episode, Blood Oath. Mm-hmm. You know, initially I asked you to pick an episode, and I do this randomly, because I, I pick a lot of episodes, and they're usually based on what I watch. But what made you decide on Blood Oath? Well, uh, in thinking about what we
0: wanted to do, I think you specifically, did you say to pick, to pick a Deep Space Nine episode, if I remember correctly,
1: or just any episode? I don't remember. Oh, no. I don't remember. Usually, I tell yeah. you to pick an episode, and it's almost always Deep Space Nine.
0: Yeah. Well, 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 there you go. It's always Deep Space Nine. I'm like, you know what? What's something that's different? That's early, but is really good. And the first one that came to mind almost instantly is Blood Oath because it's got great fan service. It's got great guest stars. It's got a great story, uh, and it's just it's just fun. Even though the title's a little ominous, it's a fun episode.
1: It, it is a little fun, and it's uh, you, you're right. It's early. It's season two, episode nineteen. It's in those seasons that most people consider slow for Deep Space Nine, but mm-hmm. I certainly do not. Yeah. Because a lot happens.
0: A lot does happen, and especially here um, with with what's going on, uh, you know— it's something that you least that you don't really expect. All of a sudden, these three ancient Klingons are well over 100 years old, show up at the station. Dax instantly knows what's going on when two of them are there. And you know something big is going down. And then when Kang shows up, the third Klingon, you know something really big is going down. And it certainly does.
1: Indeed, it does. But, I mean, you, you touched upon probably one of the most important aspects of this particular episode. And it brings back three iconic... TOS Klingons and thank God they left the one from uh, Friday's Child out, the the bald Klingon. (laughs) But we get the first time we've seen these characters on screen together and we get the legendary actors who portrayed them in the first place. In Deep Space Nine, which really is amazing,
0: it really is, and and it's you know a lot you know I said it's fan service, but at the same time, it's just really awesome to have these guys show up after at this point it's thirty five years or so after the original series. Of course, we have John Colicos' core, who's one of your favorite Klingons uh, of all time. Yes. Uh, William Campbell returns as Koloth from The Trouble with Tribbles, and Michael Ansara shows up as Kang from Day of the Dove. Three great uh, episodes of TNG. Day of the Dove has got its parts. That's a little you know. Neither here nor there, but but I love all three of these Klingons, uh, and it's really good to form a story for all three of them to partake in as it does in Deep Space Nine and then throw the element of Dax and Curzon Dax into the mix. They just do a really good job uh, in in portraying the story. One thing that I find really interesting, Bill, is reading up on some history of this episode. Colicos didn't really want to do this at first. He read part of the script and didn't really think that it was in tune with what his original character portrayal was back in TOS. And he actually said that he had a huge following as core. And this, this core that the way it was written was kind of, you know, not that, you know, he's kind of dipsy and and just he wasn't sure he wanted to play it, but then he read the rest of the script and ended up because he's kind of heroic at the end, he decided to do it. So I thought that's a great little history uh, history blurb from uh, what happened during the filming of this episode.
1: Well, I got to say, um, I'm kind of of the same opinion of, of John Colicos uh, initially, mm-hmm. because this is not my favorite treatment of core.
0: Yeah, he's a drunkard at the beginning.
1: I mean, I get that you know that people's lives change, but I mean, he starts this as as a town drunk, essentially, uh-huh. absolutely, um, and it, I think that's really what didn't set well with me. I mean, yes, you could say you know the the, the fall of the Klingon Empire, if you want to call it that, may have impacted his his status, but I mean, he's a Grandahar Master, yeah. I mean, he's 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 more Klingon than Klingon, and I thought that maybe he might be a little more um vaulted in Klingon society.
0: It seems to me that the other two are more so than him, which is kind yeah. of interesting. Of course, when you when you think about Koloff, that was in trouble with Tribble, so he's just kind of it's kind of a comedy episode, so he's just there, you know, you know to to insult Kirk and and Kang, they're being, you know, they're being you know influenced by the the red floaty dude uh, So it, it's interesting That that yeah at the very beginning of this episode He's in the holodeck drunk He can barely stand then he's passed out In Odo's security cell uh, And Koloth walks in and says Oh god just keep him he's he's a drunk uh, And it, it is It is very much a surprise of what you would expect Especially when you remember The deviousness and the true evil That Kor represented in the original series episode
1: yeah, it's quite the fall from grace, and you know, for somebody like me who revere's core as Klingon Prime, you know the the one that started all the Klingons, um, it, it's it, it's dis it's disappointing. Yeah, um, the episode itself is not disappointing, but just that aspect of, of the character. It's interesting that. That Colicos also uh, was glad that he was the one who lived to tell the tale, kind of <laughs> like Ishmael. Yeah. Um, and that's really what pushed him over the edge into doing it. Um, I'm still not really thrilled that he starts off as a drunk. Yeah. Um, and, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Um, I, I am glad that, that Koloth finally is something more than a punchline, like he was in Trouble with Tribbles. And I agree with
0: you 100%, which is the very reason. I appreciated the Koloff character in this episode more than any of the three, which is specifically why I decided to use him on this week's album cover. I think the Klingon makeup, first of all, I love the fact that these three Klingons from the original series are now Klingons. Uh, or, or how the Klingons are supposed to appear um, and it, I thought his makeup looked fantastic especially his hair I thought I thought uh, Campbell did a great job representing the Klingons in this one
1: yeah I agree uh, I thought that for the role he played with the three of them I thought it was a really nice um, updating and adjustment for this particular character mm-hmm. the one that I thought really hadn't changed much at all was Kang
0: the only thing is he has a spider web forehead <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really it. <laughs> and it looks like a spider web, which I think is really cool. Uh, I I will get into something that I didn't like about Core towards the end of the episode when we get there, but I do agree. His his determination and his um hatred's not the right word, but he he seems angry uh, a lot of the time. Of course, his son was killed, so that would make anybody angry, but he's got that over overbearing angerness uh, throughout the episode.
1: He seems like the guy who is hell-bent on revenge uh, and the other two are just with him because, oh, yeah, we made this blood oath. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I get that. I mean, but Kor wasn't exactly uh, anything but angry in Day of the Dove until everybody started laughing.
0: (laughs) And then hitting Kirk on the back.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, a great, you know, little bit of physical comedy by Kirk. But um, largely I feel like Kang is true to who the original character was. And the only growth is that now he's out for vengeance.
0: Yes. I, I agree. I, I do agree with that. Yep.
1: So these three characters come together in, it just so happens to be Deep Space Nine, and they meet up with Dax, who's not the Dax they thought they were going to find. And I think that's probably the wrinkle in this story that I appreciate the most. It gives Terry Farrell something to a chance to do something that is well outside the normal course of Scanning the wormhole, you know, commander um, (laughs) and and to to step out and really try some new stuff with tax.
0: And you also get to see what it's like to be a joint trill to have those memories and to have that internal battle of whether or not you are going to continue with whatever promises were made from a previous host, which they make clear in this episode you don't have to do but she has a very big distinction between what the uh what trill has to say about it and what klingons have to say about it and i like how she wrestled with that and went towards the klingon blood oath instead of the trill not having to do what other hosts said they would do
1: absolutely i, I think that that's probably the most interesting wrinkle and i, I like the tension it creates between her and cisco mm-hmm. um who who you practically don't see in this episode two scenes Uh I'll, Yeah, two scenes. Most of the cast isn't in this episode. Right. uh, For more than a scene or two. Yeah. But I I like the fact that it puts Dax on some uncertain footing with her old friend. Uh, That's the kind of drama I appreciate. I mean, it's the kind of thing that the Roddenberry rule would never have allowed. Yeah. But to me, I think that it also allows for some great moments between Avery Brooks and Terry Farrell.
0: Oh, there's definite tension there and especially that one where she's leaving and she's leaving no matter what he says. She's yep. going, and he actually doesn't even say it's okay for her to go. She just looks at him, picks up her bag, picks up her jacket, and off she goes, or Klingon uniform, I think it was, and off she goes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's because he knows there's, there's
0: nothing he can say, and she knows it too. Yeah, no stopping her. Um, one yeah. of the other things, like you mentioned, that there are very few scenes with other cast members. I think the scene with Kira is really a great moment for the character of Kira this early in the series. Most of the time when we see Kira in seasons one or two, she's a hard ass and she's, you know, always got an insult. and She's always in a bad mood here. You get to see something that you don't ever really get to see. And that's kind of I don't know if regrets the right word. But when when she's talking, when she's talking with Jadzia and Jadzia is asking what it's like to kill someone and she's like she's taken by surprise. And she eventually says uh, uh, Jadzia says, is this bothering you? And she's like, yeah, it bothers me. That's something I didn't expect to see from Kira.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a real I don't want to say human moment, but for want of a better phrase, it's a real human moment mm-hmm. that we get to know the cost of 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 what it's been for her. Yeah, you know, in Star Trek, you know, we we move on to the next conflict or the next discovery or you know the next thing, and when you consider Kira, who was a resistance fighter, you know, and in, in the eyes of the Cardassians, a terrorist. Mm-hmm. Um, you you have to wonder what it does to somebody long-term. And just that, you get that briefest glimpse, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about this, the writing of this episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. Even though they have only a few scenes, they're all well. Even the scenes with Odo uh, and Quark, the very beginning is great, the banter back and forth about uh, how Quark says that he's going to kill me if I turn off the holodeck program. And then Odo's like, shut it down. And he goes, he said he'd kill me. No, he said he'd kill you. I mean, just, (laughs) just great humor. And then- the other Odo scene, which is probably the only other one in this entire episode, is it is. When he's reading yeah. his tablet with his back turned to the front door. And all of a sudden he spins around and there's Koloff. He's like, how did you get in here? He's like, I yeah. am Koloff. That doesn't
1: answer my question.
0: <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> that's fantastic.
1: That's probably my favorite scene in the whole episode. <laughs> just because, I mean, well, cause you can hear the New Jersey in William <laughs> Tample. Um, when he's not saying "cling gone," "cling gone," yes, um, you get just certain inflections, and it to me that's just the scene that makes me smile the most because um, it's just it's Koloth being Koloth.
0: And you're not going to be able to, to see this, listeners. Um, but one of the other things I love so much about Campbell and this is at one point when they're on the planet and he's sneaking around to get to knock out the guards and get closer. He's tapping a guard on the shoulder behind him with a bat left. Couple times. And then the guy turns around and Kolath is just sitting there with this look on his face. He's like, <laughs> he's just had a blast with this episode, I think.
1: I wish people could see your goofy looking face when you did that. Oh, wait a minute. Screen um, share. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah Terry Farrell has the, the toughest job in this episode because it would be really easy for her to sort of get lost. Um, against these three legendary characters, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to give her every ounce of credit in the world. She does an amazing job going toe-to-toe with them and being, you know, every bit as compelling a character as they are in this episode. It's it's really a remarkable job for such an early Deep Space Nine episode.
0: It really is in that um, she literally goes toe-to-toe in the holodeck with Koloth with the Batleth. And can I say, buddy – a Bat'leth is really, I think we've talked about this before, it's really a terrible weapon. <laughs> I mean, it looks... It really is. It's awkward. It looks clumsy. And and for all the blade that is all over a Bat'leth, they don't really draw a lot of blood. Could you imagine what a Bat'leth would look like using today's special effects? <laughs> because in all the effects I, of Deep Space Nine, they just are like
1: hitting them with it and they fall. I have one in my garage. <laughs> Let's test it out on you. Okay. All right, let's do it. Let's film it. <laughs> um, let's see what the blood loss is really
0: like <laughs> exactly um it isn't it is an awkward weapon, but I will say Campbell does a really good job with all of the all of like the choreography of of spinning that thing around for someone who's as old as that Klingon is.
1: Well, I have to. When I watch this episode, I mean, I wanted to play a game of stunt double bingo, and that's you know when the shot goes wide like it did in the original series, yeah. And you see two people who are supposed to be the characters, but they're clearly not the actors. (laughs) That definitely happens in the battle scene. (laughs) Most of the time. Most of the time that Koloth is wielding that bat, left it's not William Campbell. I
0: got to go back and look at it because I was actually watching. and I'm like, wow, he's doing a really good job. I don't think that's a
1: double. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. <laughs> I'm, I I could be wrong, but I'm I'm almost positive it's it's a stunt man. It's still pretty good though. I like it, and and
0: I also like that when they're fighting. Um, I guess anybody can just walk into a hollow suite at any point, um, because uh, in walks uh, Kang and Core, and then you know Core starts insulting Koloth to try to get his uh, his druthers up. I guess, but it was uh, I think it's pretty. It's a good it's a good moment of a uh, Klingon humor in the episode.
1: It really is. You know, it's it, it, this episode needed that because mm-hmm. the mission that they're on is 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 pretty pretty dire. I mean, you know, they want to fulfill this blood oath. I mean, Kang isn't interested in jadzia being part of it. Koloth is is really kind of sexist. Yeah. Um which really was kind of mind-blowing. Uh I wasn't really expecting that part of it. And um Core is kind of the most accepting. In fact, Core kind of has, you know, the the well he has the, the line in the scene that really has become my favorite meme regarding the trans community you know, occurs on my old friend. She's like, it's Jadzia. now. It's like, Jadzia, my old friend, <laughs> you know? And that's just, it, it's so foretelling of, you know, of, of what, you know, we, we hope people do now. Yeah. Um, but, there are three reactions to Dax are all markedly very different. And that's really what gets me. But the Koloth reaction really is the one that bothers me the most.
0: Yeah, it does bother me too a little bit. Um, Kang's really bothers me. But you find out why his reaction is the way it is. And I gotta say, it makes me not bother. it makes me not be so bothered of the of the way that he reacts to Jadzia, but it bothers me very much about the whole plot under underneath of which he kind of put together with the albino that to me is extremely uncling and it's extremely unkang when you think about it about what he did with knowing what was going to happen and agreeing yeah. with this albino um and trusting that it'll go exactly as they discuss. i mean i just think that's a very unlike kang
1: yeah no i have to agree and i mean we should preface this by saying i really enjoy this episode oh it's I mean, awesome we're not sitting here trying to hate on it or pick it apart, mm-hmm. but I mean, like every other conversation we have about an episode, we're gonna be honest about the things that we think just maybe miss the mark a little bit. And yeah. and that's kind of where those fall into place for right. us. Um but I don't I don't know that this mission is successful without Dax. I yeah, I think you're right.
0: I I think for not only just for the fact that she's there to help and she cause, she's the distraction which have, which they need, but I think just for the morale for the three of them. I think it's she's kind of the anchor that holds all three together during the during the mission.
1: Yeah, I mean, those those three Klingons could have stormed the castle. Mm-hmm. Have fun storming the castle. Yeah. Um but I don't know that they are victorious without the kind of unifying quality that that Dax provides.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Uh,
1: I think she grounds them. I think she keeps them on point. I think she suggests alternatives. But ultimately, she provides that giant distraction for the albino to just bite it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking of the albino, let's talk about him for just a second. Yeah, Of yeah. course, of course. The whole idea of this blood oath is is Kang, Koloth, and Kor were three captains uh, in the Klingon uh, Defense Force or whatever that were working on a mission back in the day, and the albino escaped and promised that he would kill the firstborn son of each of the captains. So right. We know that it happened with Kang. It's safe to assume that it happened with the other two. We don't really get any specifics on that, which I thought was a little interesting. They never specifically say that Kor and Koloth's firstborn sons were killed, but Kang's definitely was, and it's uh, uh, an interesting uh, blood oath that has lasted for 80-plus years. They've been trying to chase this guy down. Now, I know that we've talked about it a little bit off-air off, off air at times, and, and I know that there's some varying opinions, but A... The Albino's Klingon, isn't he? He kind of looks Klingon, he's got the ridges, but at one point he says, "Get that Klingon filth out of here," or something along those lines, I may be misquoting. So it's
1: it's kind of interesting to to figure out if he really is a Klingon or not. I I'm of the opinion that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, maybe he just regards those Klingons as, as filth. filth, yep, yeah. Um, but I mean, kind of like we we discovered in Star Trek Discovery, you know, albinos were kind of shunned. Yeah. Yep. So so maybe he approaches it from that regard. Maybe he doesn't feel like he's actually Klingon because of, you know, the fact that in society he's considered an outcast right. or, or an anomaly.
0: Yeah. And speaking of Discovery, I know that there were some people, myself included, when we first saw Tenevek for the first time in Star Trek Discovery, we were like, oh, my God, a Klingon, al- an albino Klingon. Wouldn't it be cool if he's the albino that was in Blood Oath? Of course, it isn't, but it's kind of a kind of a neat thing to see if it, if it could possibly have been. That would have been kind of cool. Um,
1: yeah. Well, was, I was referring to Voke, but yeah, Tenovic too. Oh, to yeah, absolutely.
0: Extent. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it's it's interesting that they still tie. It, it's amazing that even in Retcon, when you look at, at Discovery, well, I don't even know if it's called Retcon, but when you look at Discovery and what's going on in there, and then you look at Blood Oath and what happened in there based on TOS, it's amazing that they are able to keep all of these different small details of each series alive in the different episodes that they do. I think it's really great.
1: No, I, I agree with you. I mean, it'll be interesting to see in 30 years from now what elements of modern day series, yeah. you know, come to Star Trek. Of course, by then, um, we're not going to remember any of it. <laughs> Who? Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? Did I watch that? Exactly. Of course, I do that now. <laughs> and I'm only in my early 50s. Um, the I really kind of like the the whole storming of the castle bit. I like the albino. I would have liked to have known mm-hmm. more or seen more about the albino. Yep. He like like William Campbell sounds like he could be from maybe the Jersey Shore. I don't know. <laughs> um I but I I think that he this character only serves one purpose and that's to die. Right. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's,
0: he's the he's the perfect um thing for everyone to focus on for the, for the episode. Uh and yeah, he he's only there to die, so we don't get to see him later on.
1: I think the focusing on him kind of, you know, it, it takes away from the characters in one sense because we don't truly learn about their growth. Uh and by that I mean the the elder Klingons and it 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 propels the episode because it's what unifies them. Mm-hmm. And so to to me it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse. I kind of imagine that the albino did kill Kor's firstborn son. And that's why Kor is a drunk. Okay. Um, I could see that being the case. Um, perhaps maybe it was more than just his firstborn son. Who knows? Do you... Kola, oh, let, me a,
0: let me ask you this then. Do you think that... Because it's interesting because Kor was the way he was in the original series with the uh, yeah. and th- But if he killed his firstborn son, it was probably close to that time frame. Do you think he was a drunk the entire time after Sun was killed all the way 80s later until 80 years later when he showed up on DS9?
1: No, I think maybe that loss drove him to it in my own headcanon. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, maybe it's the kind of thing where it's one thing to uh, – of the Klingons of the TOS era, it's, it's one thing to to rule and, and and get into battle the way they did. It's another thing to experience that loss personally. Okay. Um and you know maybe maybe that's not it I don't know but as far as trying to rationalize why Core has such a a precipitous decline uh, that's really the only thing I can come up with. Oh, that makes with, sense. With Koloth, um, I don't know. Maybe he's become more serious because his firstborn son was killed. Maybe yeah, you because know, he was. He, I think of him as Klingon light in a sense because he was just the butt of Kirk's jokes, right? the most part he didn't really mount a a fierceness in the trouble with tribbles he was just sort of there to be kirk's foil so um i wonder if maybe the the death of his son caused him to become more introspective and serious as opposed to you know kind of gregarious Koloth that we (laughs) that we get in in tribbles right right
0: oh i like that no you see that's what i like about these conversations is i don't i don't First of all, I don't know how to put as much deep thought into things like this. But listening to your ideas and, and where you come up with these ideas is always very, very interesting. So I think that's very cool. One thing that I also think is cool, though, Bill, is the fact that your course, face, my face is very cool. Um, Actually, it's pretty hot when you think about it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> un- it is very unfortunate, l- unfortunate that we lose both Koloth and Kang in this episode. Of course, we do get to see Kang after this episode over on Voyager when he showed up on Flashback, which is a great episode. And we get to see that fierceness that I was talking about earlier in Flashback. Uh, with captain Sulu. So I like that they brought him back. It would have been really good if we could see Koloth at another point. But of course we all know that uh core shows up a couple of more times in deep space nine and the sword of Kalos. And then once more into the breach where we assume because we never see him die, we assume he dies at the hand of the dominion. So um, I like that they kept his storyline going uh, a couple more times, at least in deep space nine.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I, I don't necessarily like the way he was used in later Deep Space Nine, especially in sort of K-Less. Yeah, I didn't want to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I might have liked to in this episode seen some kind of interaction with these three legendary Klingon warriors and Galron. Mm. I really think that's the one thing that's missing from this particular episode. You know, let's, let's kind of have the nod to the Klingons who, who Created what being Klingon is as actors. Yep. And let's tie it forward to today and merge the two together as sort of a tacit. Yep, we get it. They have ridges. Um, Let's move past it. Mm -hmm. I I think that would have been really good, you know, especially since, I mean, Bob O'Reilly is so great as Gowron. I think that would have been an interesting dynamic between the four of them.
0: Oh, yeah. That would have been, that would have been fantastic. I do like the fact also that you, you get to, you get to l- not worry so much about the ridges. Um, of course, with the augments, uh, uh, and stuff like that in enterprise, you get a little bit more idea what's going on with why they look the way they did in TOS. Um, I also like the fact that they talk about, um, how core was the, the, um, hero at the clock to Kelbrox. Did I, did I say that? Okay. And it, what I think I did, so. What I did not know until reading up some history on this is that in the augments ep- episode of enterprise, That's the Klingon name for the Briar Patch, which may sound familiar to some uh, Star Trek Insurrection fans. I'm just
1: saying. Your favorite movie. That's right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I couldn't even say that with a straight
0: Yeah, no, neither could I.
1: (laughs) Just a quick reminder, Dan, for everybody going to conventions or just trekking out in real life. We want everyone to stop by shop.trekgeeks.com. Because there are a couple of brand new special shirts that you just uploaded to the portal. There, what the
0: fuck are you talking about,
1: man? <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: I've been I've been wanting to to do this for a long time, and finally, uh, there are Farkism shirts available at our very own store. Um, very excited about this. Our 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 most favorite Fark of all, as a matter of fact, the only. Fark of all is is on these shirts. There are two uh, designs to choose from. uh, And I've already ordered mine. I think uh, Bill, you've already ordered yours or, or do you not care about Farkisms? Because I really think deep down you love them.
1: I, I love (laughs) Fark, And so I love seeing his face on my shirt.
0: Okay. Well, I like that. Well, I'll be having his face uh, on my chest uh, during uh, STLV or as better known as the 56 year mission. Um, So check it out at shop.trekgeeks.com. They're right there. They're brand new. They're ready for you and tell the whole world and show the whole world how much you love Farkisms.
1: Special thanks to our friend Carl at Carl H. Design uh, for coming up with just an amazing, amazing graphic for this shirt with Dan's help, because Dan is pretty much not artistic at all. Not at all. And uh, shop.trekgeeks.com. Get your Farkism shirt today. Hi, Dr. Phil flocks also known as John Billingsley, speaking. I am the president of the board of the Hollywood
0: Food Coalition. We serve terrific multi-course meals to the unhoused, and those in need seven nights a week. We assist as many as 100 nonprofits with their food needs, buttressing, extraordinary social service programs. We work with community partners to address issues of food insecurity here in SoCal. We do lots of other great stuff, but how much time do we have? If you're in L.A., come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer, and any Federation credits you can spare go a
1: long way. I don't know if you remember this at the time, but I remember people being up in arms that these TOS Klingons had ridges um which don't, don't get explained until a good what, 10 years later. Yeah. Exactly. Fifteen. Um, I when did this episode come out?
0: Uh this episode came out in 19 uh, somethings. Uh let me think. <laughs> <laughs> 94.
1: Wow. So it, it would be a, a good seven or eight years later that they've, they finally, or maybe dealt with it, dealt with it closer to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it's actually explained. Um, I remember people being, uh, pissed to no end that these Klingons had ridges because these were the original Klingons. Yeah. They, there should be no stinking ridges. I love it. I love it too. I mean, as a matter
0: of fact, a- there was discussion about not having them in Klingon makeup for this episode, but it eventually was turned. They decided to to put the ridges on, and I thought I thought it was an added bonus in this episode that we saw them uh, as the Klingons that we're used to when TNG and and everything the, the movies were all going on. I think you have to.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, if they had decided to turn up in Discovery, uh, we might have had a problem. You know, because you're you then have to figure out why these Klingons. Don't look like TOS, but whereas Deep Space Nine later easily explained by the events of Enterprise, I, in hindsight, I have no problem with it. And nope. they look amazing, like you said.
0: They really do. And you were talking about Robert O'Reilly and Gowron a few minutes ago, and he actually, loves this episode he's quoted he's he's quoted as saying i was literally in ecstasy watching it it was more exciting to see that show than i was to see king lear on tv and i love king lear so knowing that he saw this and got to have that that klingon history it makes me want to see Gowron with those three even more that would have been fantastic
1: oh wow yeah. it's not the la- i mean it's also not the last time we see michael ansara mm-hmm. in star trek he yep. comes back in what i regard as the worst episode of deep space nine <laughs> yes jatrell no that's uh well that's, that's a the Voyager
0: character episode. uh i'm mm-hmm. sorry not to yeah uh, the tr- uh yeah that's um that's our other good buddy um it's oh god i'll think of it jl jl is his name i knew there was yeah, a j it- in there somewhere. In the
1: Muse, where you, his character is supposed to marry Loxana Troy, you love that episode. No, it's it's really <laughs> it's bad. It's the worst episode of Deep Space Nine. I'm telling you, it's the Aquiel uh, of Deep Space Nine. Is what I'm hearing. It actually is. <laughs> it's it's not great, but the Loxana scenes are the best parts of that episode. That's true. Yep, I agree. Unfortunately, it's the last appearance of Majel as Lwaxana. Mm-hmm. I mean, she gets to go out, you know, with Michael Ansara as a scene partner. That's not a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think
0: that's that. his last uh, appearance. Um, I'm not sure of of everything, but definitely of Star Trek. I
1: think Voyager came after that with flashback. Was it afterwards? I have to double Pretty check. Sure, that. okay. I could be wrong. All right, thank you. Well, because uh, '94 was the same year that Next Gen ended. Voyager hadn't premiered yet. Um. So
0: uh, that episode with Loxana is in uh, season six. I don't know. I don't know. Who, who cares? He's still great to watch no matter what kind of alien he's playing.
1: We could Google it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but we don't want to Google while we're talking. We Google at least
1: that. know we get Kang back one more time, yes. which is kind of cool. Yep. Um, especially giving some context to some some Star Trek six related yeah. scenes that are kind of related that. Um, that we didn't know we were going to get before for Voyager. So, um, I, I had to watch this episode a couple of times cause I honestly, like you, okay. Invariably when we do a see it or skip it, there's an episode that you just don't remember. <laughs> and while I remembered that these actors appeared in an episode called Blood Oath, I didn't remember anything that happened. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, huh. A lot of good stuff I, in the episode after watching it again, huh? There there really is. I, I really like a lot of the smaller scenes. The battle is the battle. I mean, you figure the albino has to die. Mm-hmm. It's more than likely that one of the Klingons is going to go. Turns out two thirds of them. Yep. Which kind of makes me sad. But I, I was ultimately struck by the fact that, you know, Jadzia for being part of this didn't have to make the final kill of the albino. She was spared that.
0: And she didn't want to. You, You knew she didn't want to. Yep.
1: No, it was a struggle. It looked like. Yep. And I, I, I appreciate that. Maybe in her head, in those moments, her conversations with Kira and Benjamin probably were front of mind, and it turned out to be enough of a stall tactic, you know, to let uh, to let Cord strike the death blow. I'm sorry, Koloth strike the death blow. Was uh, it Koloth? Kang, Kang. Kang. I'm sorry. Kang. Yep. There's so many. So many. K's There's a lot of cases. Yeah. <laughs> um. I.
0: L- let me ask you this. Yeah. If if kang hadn't done that hadn't been able to get up and stab him in the back do you think dax would have been able to do it
1: i don't know mm. um i i think it would have been tough there's a possibility that she might not have been yeah um i i honestly don't know and then if she had let's say she does you know for sake of of intellectual exercise um what happens to her after that? Does that change Dax fundamentally? I think it definitely does. Yep. You know, does that change the course for this character? Yeah. And and you're right. I think it does to some extent. I don't. I don't think. Let's say she makes the kill. I don't think she ever winds up with Worf. Well, that's a good point. Because I think every Klingon she sees would be a reminder, reminder. that she had to take that life.
0: Yep. Um, I found it very interesting at the end of the episode when she returns to the station and she's at ops, the captain and her look at each other from across ops and they don't say a word. She doesn't tell him, at least that we know that she didn't do it. She didn't kill him. Um, so I, you know, you got to wonder what did that, how much did that relationship change as a result of her just going off on this blood oath trek when he didn't want her to.
1: Well, and Commander Cisco kind of cold shoulders her too. I mean, you know, he essentially has that look on his face, you know, like I'm I'm still mad at you, mm-hmm. and then turns and goes back into his office. Doesn't once come up and and, and try to resolve the situation like would have happened on TNG. Um, <laughs> you know, he he's he's comfortable just stewing over it, and I I really like where that episode leaves it. It doesn't pick it back up ever. Um, because by the time we see them again in the next episode, all is fine, Yeah, but that moment of tension I think is appropriate for the end because if they had really tied a nice bow on the end of it, I don't know that it would have been anywhere near as enjoyable an episode for yeah. me.
0: I, I agree with that very much. I also like the fact that even in the most serious moments of the episode, when when these characters are dying, Koloff drops one of the best lines of the entire episode at core. And I think it's a hashtag that I'm going to be able to use with you or with other people from time to time. Is I refuse to die before you, you thunderous bulk. <laughs> that's
1: just,
0: <laughs> that's, just, that's just, now. That's the Koloff from Trial with Tribbles uh, right there.
1: Yeah, tr- yeah, trouble, tr- <laughs> trouble, really trouble, troubles,
0: trouble, troubles. I'm thinking trials of tribulations. but yeah,
1: absolutely. That's the that's the day drinking talking. <laughs> um, <laughs> allegedly, uh, yes. allegedly. No,
0: I'm drinking. Believe me, I'm, um, I'm
1: recording with you. I have to. I know, right? My only re- my only regret when it comes to this episode is that you know I don't get more of Koloth. You know, to be ch- to be honest, of the three Klingons and their original appearance in in Star Trek. He was my least favorite. Right. I agree. Um, but I liked him in this episode and I really was bummed when he died because I wanted to see more of this Koloth. Mm. You know, could you imagine the three of them coming back for Sword of k and then the conflict happening between the three of them and Worf? Oh, yeah. That would have been Interesting. That would have
0: been very cool. Of course, we did get to see him again, but not as uh, not as Koloth, of course, but he did a pretty good job as Trelane in the Squire of Gothos, right? I mean, just saying. Uh, I don't <laughs> like that episode. Oh, oh, well, I mean, I'm not saying that it's a great episode, but he, I, we get to see more of his acting in this than we do in, in, in Tribbles. We do, but
1: specifically, I wanted more of Koloth. Koloth, uh, yeah. The Deep Space Nine Koloth. Yes, yeah. Because I appreciated what this character became. Mm-hmm. Eighty plus years later, and I'm sorry. When did we determine that Klingons live for <laughs> hundred and
0: something that long? <laughs> A long time. Yep. Well, they have to. They have to do it because if they're going to have it in Deep Space Nine, it's eighty years later or whatever. Right. So yeah. So they got to be uh, uh, old aged and still looking pretty good for that age too.
1: Oh, f- yeah. Well, did we? Did we not know that Klingons live to be that long because they typically die in battle?
0: Exactly. I was, I was going to say a lot of them, it's, it's, it's honorable for them not to live that long. I mean, and there's actual, there's actual dialogue in some episodes about that. Right. Um, um, going back to one thing, I did, Google, I did some Googling while you were talking, buddy, because I know that, that, that we like to do that. Because so so, you don't listen. So. so you are correct. The Muse was originally aired uh, April 29th, 1996. And that's when we saw uh, Michael Ansara. And then Flashback aired on September 11th of 1996. So we did see Kang one final time or Michael Ansara one final time uh, after he was on Deep Space Nine. So that's kind of cool. It was very close together, but still, you were right. I was wrong. It always happens. Uh, I,
1: your words, not mine. I wish, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut that and make it a ringtone on my phone. Um, and, of course, I can't think of Michael Ansara without thinking of Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Um, because in the TV series, oh yes, he was Kane. Yes, I in, liked that
0: character a lot
1: too. Oh yeah, me too. In the yeah. movie, it was Henry Silva who was not as good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Henry Silva, who was in the original Ocean's Eleven with Sinatra and Dean and Sammy. Yep. Um, but in the TV series, he just had that presence. Uh, Michael and always had that presence, no he matter always, what he was in. He always plays characters with a K. It seems. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder right. why that is.
0: I don't because it's easy, <coughs> you know. Anyway, um, I have two. I do have two. I don't want to call them complaints about the episode because I love the episode, but two things that happen in this episode at the end that bother me, and I okay. wanted to discuss them with you. The first one is Jadzia. I, I'm sorry. People may say I'm not being very, you know, uh, I'm very, I'm being inhumane or whatever. I don't like her line after Kang is dying and says today is a good day to die i just don't think it it's never a good day to lose a friend is the right spot or the right sentence to say at that time to a klingon or to or or just even say it even though he's already died it just with everything that we saw with how she was in wanting to stick with the klingon aspect of this blood oath to then say that kind of lessens the meaning of a Klingon dying in honorable battle. That's something that I've always felt that way from the original time I saw this episode. It didn't seem to fit in that scene for me. It's Jadzia, but not Jadzia as this episode was was written and and uh, and done.
1: That's just me. I don't know. I think, I have to believe it would be true to Dax. Like on Dax. And maybe that's, you know, more of Kang's annoyance with Curzon because he didn't really have much use for Curzon as a, as a, you know, in his his eyes, a politician. I almost killed Curzon that day. Right. Yeah. You know, I I wonder if it. I, I wonder if that's a line that comes more from Dax than it does Jadzia. You know what I mean? Okay, that's. I never. I did never put put it together like that. So yeah. Okay. I, I didn't think about it till just now when you brought it up. I see your point. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing. that that really gets me is, I wonder why we don't see any Klingon death howls.
0: Okay, well, that was my second thing. You stole my thunder.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, can, uh, Kor is sitting there being stabbed, and okay, they all get stabbed, but he doesn't die. Everybody else does, so okay, whatever. Um, so he's sitting there, and instead of doing the howling, he starts singing. Na 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 lo me to, ti na na lo may that's actually what he sings i memorized it for this show and and that's not a klingon howl you
1: you can't remember the name of this podcast <laughs> geeps yet yeah trek geeps yet you commit four lines of a klingon song to memory? Yeah, well, it's because it,
0: the, the very reason which you just mentioned. It stands out so differently than what we're used to with klingon mythology and 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 everything where they howl when they their friends die a glorious battle and he sings a sad song.
1: If uh if Trek Geeks doesn't stand out as something markedly <laughs> different than the norm, then we're doing it wrong. That's I'm just going to say that. That right is there.
0: true, you thunderous bulk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I think we found our, our insult for Vegas.
0: Oh, that is going to be it all day long. We might even have to have a hashtag printout right on our table. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I don't know about that. But um.
0: <laughs> Next t-shirt.
1: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I like that. I'll, idea, I'll allow it. Okay. I'll allow it. All right, then. Um, it, it's a deep cut for sure. It is. Um, I When I think of Klingon episodes in modern Star Trek, and I mean modern by anything after TOS. Mm -hmm. This, for me, stands probably as one of my favorites. Yep. Partly because we get to revisit these characters that I watched for decades in, you know, growing up. But also because it tells a a really decent story that isn't about, you know, um, the, the problems with the Klingon Empire. I mean, yeah, we touch on a little bit of that and how it's affected these guys, but I mean, it's not about Klingon Civil War and it's not about Gowron. And yeah. It's not about, you know, X and Y. It's it's not about going out and getting into battle just to die in battle. Mm-hmm. It's It's about the oath that these four individuals took and in seeing that through. And, and I appreciate that aspect of it. And I think that Jadzia and core probably become a lot closer in the end because of it.
0: I, I agree with you 100%. I was going to say we see all kinds of Klingon episodes in Deep Space Nine. The way the warrior, of course, starts it all off uh, and it's its an own other level. And then, like you said, the Civil War and things like that. But it doesn't have the heart that this story seems to have and exactly what you just said. These three Klingons and an outsider who they made part of the family. She he's the godfather to Kang's son all get together because of something that they promised each other a long time ago. And it's a great Klingon heart and Klingon um, strength story. I think,
1: I think it adds a layer of texture to Klingons that we didn't really think about before, Mm -hmm. you know, when you talk about oaths and you talk about you know this revenge i mean yeah i can see klingons being all aboard on that but this is not an easy decision and not easy for these klingons to accomplish Mm -hmm. yet they do it anyway because it's what's required i think it's a great extension of the lore of klingons i think it's it's a wonderful advancement for these characters and honestly. If I'm thinking about the first three seasons of Deep Space Nine, which, like I said earlier, many people describe as slow, Mm -hmm. which I don't agree with. I think it's probably among the best of some of the early season offerings.
0: Oh, I absolutely agree. The Wire, this one, uh, the episode with um, uh, Kira and – oh, gosh, the guy in prison uh, uh, who was the the – Duet, the, the butcher, yeah, duet. Thank you, the butcher of Galatop Um, I absolutely agree with you, man. It is one of the better ones of the f- of the first three seasons. Um, and I, I said it before; I'll say it again. I'm sad that we don't get to see these guys together again. Yeah, I mean, I understand the whole idea of let's bring them in for one last hurrah, but it leaves you wanting more, which I guess is a good thing from the standpoint of the people who created the show. They did a good job of it, but it's still sad to see him not there anymore.
1: No, I think they definitely accomplished the goal. I definitely wanted more i I appreciate the way that two of these characters met their their fate um I, I thought it was written very well. I thought it was acted exceptionally um you know the the writing in this particular episode of course i don't I have to look up who did it unless you have it right there
0: I don't have it right there but what but what I hear you saying is you wanted some more core. you wanted some more bang from Kang. You wanted some more smacks from Dax kind of thing? Is that what we're going with? I wish you had just <laughs> shut up. Um,
1: but no, uh, this episode written by Peter Allen Fields and directed by uh, Wienrich Kolbe.
0: Ah, yes, yes. He does some good episodes, too.
1: Uh, I mean, a longtime Star Trek director. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic job that he has done across the series. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, this is, um, this is what I'm glad that I got a chance to watch with fresh eyes because I'll definitely remember it now good well
0: we'll, uh, we'll quiz you
1: on it later well dan there we have it <laughs> there was an oath there was blood mm. it was blood oath <laughs> so do- much fun he does that a lot in that episode color so he's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah this yeah i was trying to get away from that throughout the whole episode and <laughs> here you just brought it right back my pleasure um you're welcome i think i'm i think i'm Not going to sleep tonight. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But always, always a fun, and always a fun watch for Deep Space Nine. And and honestly, it's great to see those wonderful actors back in Star Trek, Mm -hmm. even if they look vastly different.
0: I love the fact that they look vastly different. Their voices are very uh, distinctive, and it was it was just a lot of fun. I I wish that they didn't kill off the majority of them in this one episode. So we could have seen it again, but it was a good story. I liked it. You
1: know what else is a good story, Dan? Mm, the the time? All the people who listen to this show went out to five mission. Dot net and bought all kinds of five year mission CDs yeah. to become huge fans of the band is we are ourselves. I remember that. And that's what we want people to do. Get on out to five Dot net, get all their albums. Seriously. You're gonna, you're gonna love them. I mean, don't, don't listen to Dan. Listen to me. You know I'm the trusted voice of the Drug Geeks podcast. Huh? You know I'm never going to steer you wrong. You know Dan's full of hot air. Wow. Go to 5yearmission.net, get their CD's. You see, that's his hot air escaping from some orifice. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> I can't
0: even I can't even talk because you got me laughing so far. Yes, you know, I got to say though, buddy. In, in addition to loving Five Year Mission as much as we do, uh, today's episode that I watched is something that I love very much. It's 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 it relates very closely to what we talked about all episode long today. Three Klingon musicians join with a young female groupie to seek vengeance on the vile Patach who stole their music. And reaped the rewards of that great dishonor. You, you know this episode, Bill. Dax joined the legendary Koloth gang, and of course, Core, the Klingon Dafark Master, in an episode of vengeance and blood oaths and music. The defark Master, Core, ladies and gentlemen. Mike, drop in the mic right now. Here we go. Ready?
1: Uh, you should drop it in the track <laughs> because that was terrible. Wow.
0: I d- I don't know what's better, the Farkisms or your um, reaction <sighs> Reaction vote. I'm going to go with the Farkisms. I think they're better.
1: <laughs> um, no. <laughs> I'm going to say this right off the bat. The, the Farkism t-shirt is light years better than any Farkism you've ever written. Okay. Light years. Light years. Hmm. Like the number of light years it takes to get from, say, I don't know, the Delta Quadrant home.
0: That's a lot that's of light years. Wow. That's, a, that's so that, what I that mean. That sure shirt's pretty nice then because my farcisms are way up here. And no. if it's light years ahead, wow. That's, that's giving Carl a lot of credit. That's pretty awesome, man. Thank you.
1: Carl is amazing. Your Farkisms suck, <laughs> however. <laughs> um, yeah. So fiveyearmission.net, get all their albums. Come on. Hmm. Dan, of course, uh, we have a great Patreon campaign that we want everyone to check out. It has propelled Trek geeks into network status. It's Mm. the, it's the impetus behind all that we do. And we're so grateful to our producers for making it all happen. Um, we honestly wouldn't be able to do without them.
0: No, we wouldn't. We really wouldn't. We we can't thank them enough for the support. Um, we have a great uh, channel on Discord uh, that I don't visit nearly as much as I should. I know that you that's do, true. but when I'm on there, I just laugh because the stuff that's on there is great. And as a Patreon me- uh, member, you get access to that channel and you can partake in all the conversation Whether I'm there or not so that's a bonus and maybe more of a bonus when I'm not there for some people but you know to each his own I guess. Uh, Right now though we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks as always we are so grateful for their support. So thank you so much, Vikram Bat, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Jim McMahon, Aaron Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Desi Rogers, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Sardar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins.
1: Well, seeing her, I was getting ready to say thank you, not Mr. Schwarzenegger, um, and you didn't even go there. So now I'm, I'm left stuck. My transition's all gone. That's 20
0: seconds of wasted
1: air. Well, go ahead. Well, unlike the the rest of the hour where you spoke, <laughs> <laughs> we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, Casey Shasky, Terry Schull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks is the impeccable and incredible Jude Tatman.
0: Impeccably incredible, I might say. One might. One might, yes. Uh, you too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks uh, podcast network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details.
1: Dan, next week, we'll be winging our way to Vegas, or possibly in Vegas as this drops, but... It's time for our annual Vegas-themed episode, and this one is one I have literally been looking forward to for two years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, a very long time, my friend. Uh, It's Vegas to the core. The Enterprise crew beams down to a planet that doesn't really have a lot of outdoor scenery to appreciate, Uh, well, except for one revolving door. When the crew enters that door, well, let's just say things get interesting. So just in time for Vegas, Bill and I will deep dive into TNG's second season episode, The Royale. And it's next week on our Vegas-themed episode of Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network.
1: Now, spoiler alert, Mm. we are going to have a massive turnabout and change of opinion (laughs) um, regarding this episode. Next week, you will want to hear all the mea culpa's. As we look at the Royale, which is a fine episode of Star Trek, by the way. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So many shows, so many passionate fans, and all who want to celebrate Gene's vision. You can find all our podcasts in the free Trek Geeks mobile app, where, by the way, all kinds of bonus content coming up the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. that you can only get on the app. Or find a link to your favorite podcast platform by visiting trekgeeks.com listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. I dare say, no one. No and one. For all the news on all the Star Trek show, please visit our great friends at TrekNews.net. For now, this has been episode number two hundred eighty-eight of the Trek Geeks Podcast. Wow, we're getting close to three hundred. Look at oh, that. Oh boy. We do hope you all live long and prosper.
0: So I'm going to cut out the albino's coconut and eat it while he watches with his dying breath.
1: Well, wow, let's take a turn. Music for Trek Geeks is
0: provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.
1: bong young daniel what's up wow i see you're already <laughs> bringing it with the attitude
0: well, bing, screw this bing 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 bang, bing 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 bang, bing
1: baby screw this i don't want to talk to you okay. thank god it worked
0: bye yeah
1: after 25 <laughs> years like that's gonna work <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's up buddy uh, uh, well let me regale you with a story regaling you know part of it mm-hmm but um because I, I oh sent boy. you a, a message in, in Messenger last night. Yes, you did. Um, and, and many expletives were uttered. A lot of them. So here we are, about 8.30 last night. And uh, I was getting ready to watch mm-hmm. the series finale of Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Dramatic
0: music. No, no, no. no, no, no. Okay.
1: And uh, so I decide, well, you know what? I've got to put the finishing touches on our Stump the Geek Live presentation for Vegas. I really was about 85 to 90% done. I really just had a few slides to, to work in and then just to button up just housekeeping things. And so I open up my presentation and there are zero images. Ouch. Like, like big blank space, red X's. Um, It's not displaying any images throughout all of the slides. Oh, so I'm like, Okay, well, let's see if I can recover an earlier version. Nope, there are no earlier versions because it was saved. Oh. Let me see if there's a copy on Microsoft OneDrive. Nope, because I don't save things to the cloud like that. Oh. I I do incremental saves all along, Mm -hmm. you know, because I've been working with PowerPoint for 20 plus years. Um, Incremental save is my life. Mm Mm-hmm. So that left me at just before nine o'clock last night, um, with eight hours of work just gone into the ether, um, that I now have to redo before Las Vegas. That was my night. Gotta love Microsoft. Who knows what it was? I mean, for all I know, it could be file corruption, Mm. but the file opens. Yeah. Um. Uh, the text that I input is still there. It's just none of the images. Were you on the right machine? Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I hate you. <laughs> I
0: like, oh, I hate it's you. on that laptop. <laughs> Hell, that's, I yeah. mean, that blows, dude, big time.
1: You yeah, know, and of course, typical Microsoft, I, I rebooted it. Of course, I did. Yeah. Um, I checked for earlier versions. I made sure my PowerPoint was updated to the most current version. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, it just uh, not what I wanted to do the last week before Vegas because I was ready right to coast.
0: Paperclip didn't have any uh, any ideas for you. Clippy was
1: not <laughs> helpful. That's, that's clippy. But I got to tell you, I felt like Badgie wanting to murder something. Oh, I can imagine.
0: Like, oh God, ripping a Bajoran's arm off and beating you over the head with it. Yeah. Oh,
1: uh, I, I was that close. So. I
0: mean that. I mean, in all honestly, that is. That sucks, dude. And I felt really bad for you last night. And I felt even worse when I brought it up last night and said, dude, I'm really sorry about last night because you obviously weren't over it yet. <laughs> and I feel for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. As he sits back drinking his mixed drink, maybe a martini, watching TV going, oh, that sucks. Anyway, what's on TV? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: did watch an episode of True Blood last night and oh, I, I, I said, oh my God, that guy just got bit by a vampire. Probably not as bad as how Bill's feeling right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah. No, probably not. And what a shock that somebody got bitten by a vampire on True Blood. It uh, never happened. I know it happened.
0: And James Frain, our buddy James Frain from Discovery, plays the biggest psycho vampire you have ever seen in your life on this show. He is do we a know him? nut job. Well, do, I just do we know you said our buddy? I'm our, like, do we know him? Everybody in Star Trek is our buddy because we love oh, everybody in Star say. Trek. Yes. Um, but yeah, he is he's a nut job and he's got big fangs. They're like ah, yeah.
1: Like what? Ah! That's pretty good.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm really sorry about that, man, but just look at it this way. You're going to redo it, and it's probably going to be better than the original one was. Oh, shut up. So, look at it as <laughs> TMP to <laughs> Wrath of Khan. It's going to be just like, wow.
1: 407. That's what I need to bleep. 407.
0: <laughs> yep. Yes, you do. That's, and that's right.
1: 424. I. <laughs> hate
0: you. <laughs> wow. You looked into the future on that one. That was pretty. Well I know. I'm really good. <laughs>
1: good. You think like there was a timer in this window or something. <laughs> you know. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, oh, well clock management vital in any recording process. Yes. Um, so, uh, you and I are vaguely aware of a clock in any room <laughs> because we just don't care. What time is it? I don't know. Um, What's our longest episode of Trek geeks? Like three hours, three hours, minutes or some,
0: something like that. Yep. That was a long one. Uh, that's what she said. Um, so I uh I've been watching The Office, by the way, as you can tell. <laughs> Dwight, you ignorant slut. <laughs> yes, I watched that one today. Uh Who Wants to Swim with the Sea Monster? That's all I gotta say. It was Oh uh...
1: my life, my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm almost done season three, so I've been making progress, man.
1: And it's funny. S- seasons three and four are two of my favorites. Yeah. Um I was having this conversation uh, in in chat with Norman Lau the other day. Um the Office is is amazing. And I I have not stopped to realize how much that show means to me personally until my wife and I went to Dundercon, which was a fantastic time. Um, it literally kept me laughing every day during the pandemic. Nice. And honestly, if I didn't laugh, I don't know how I would have made it through. Yeah, yep. I, f- I feel a connection to those characters and to that series that I didn't have before 2020.
0: So. That's awesome. I I I love Jim and I love Dwight. They just are so funny yeah. together. The episode with the bat, where Jim is like pretending <laughs> to be a vampire and he's like turning into one, and oh my god, it's he's <laughs> just so funny. It's so subtle but so awesome at the same time. It's really satisfied. Cool. <laughs> so I know that you are a fan of the Blue Bricks products that have been coming out recently. Yeah, I'm working on the Enterprise D. Uh, yeah, I uh, I got my Phaser rifle the other day. Uh 3 uh, 2273 pieces Phaser rifle all? from from uh, First Contact, but I got to say uh, I I'm not touching it till we get back in Vegas. I'm not opening it. I'm not going to do anything with it. It's sitting right there. You can see it on my bed. I can. I yeah, can. The only thing I did was took out the instruction booklet just to see how big it was. That's what she said. Exactly. Thinking. So instead of that one, I figured I'd start my uh, Iron Man Nano Gauntlet instead. Uh, found a light kit for it. Which oh, nice. comes with a remote and a speaker. So you put a little speaker in the glove. So when you activate the crystals, it like... Very cool.
1: I'm not going to ask you to do that again because honestly, I don't want to hear it.
0: <laughs> so, so, yeah. So I got stuff to look forward to.
1: The thing that impresses me about Blue Bricks... Um, and there, for those who don't know, they're a German company that produces Lego-like building block sets. Unlike Creo and unlike um, what was the other one, Mega Mega Blocks. Uh, Mega Blocks. Thank you. Um, their bricks are actually seem very durable and most like Lego itself. Mm-hmm. I've been doing some reading on them, and they're more. This
0: is more of a uh, a company that puts together kits for like display and and like real hardcore builders and stuff i mean there's an amazing deep space 9 that's huge that they just I came know. out with um there's all kinds of great um a great star trek products they got a they got a star trek license and they are putting out some cool stuff so i i wasn't actually sure am i am i gonna go with deep space 9 or are i gonna go with the phaser rifle and i went with the phaser rifle because it's gonna be easier to display right now space wise so and not outer space i mean space space in my office
1: so right right yeah well yeah you could put like up a, a hanging shelf or whatever yeah and, you Know and and, and even hang it above a door if you really wanted mm-hmm. to, but um, they're they really do an impressive job. So, if you are if you've been wanting Star Trek Legos forever, I think this is as close as you're going to get. Yep. Um, like I said, they're a German company, you're ordering from a website in the EU, their prices are in euros, I believe. Yep. Um, but you can pay in American dollars and it's fine. Yep. Um, I am. Uh, I I am will absolutely buy more blue bricks in the future. I can guarantee it.
0: Oh, I I will too. Look at that. We're doing a plug on the on the outtake. That's pretty awesome. Um, but well, yeah, it, I, in
1: fairness, we were customers of sets before they were sponsors.
0: Well, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would love to a light kit for the phaser rifle to come out, but I can't find one yet because you know press the trigger and the phaser to end lights out or maybe shoots a laser beam at your head. That would be even better, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm going to keep looking though.
1: I don't know if they're as well known in the marketplace. Yeah, so you may have to like uh, maybe do some deep investigation on like some some googling to see if anybody has has built them for Blue Brick stuff. I have to believe someone has. Eventually, and if not, if not, you could be that guy.
0: I get my engineering degree out and do some wiring. <laughs> No, did you I get won't.
1: that at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting? I
0: didn't I would not even attempt to get an engineering <laughs> communicate uh, commu- engineering communication wiring degree. Not you're doing happen. so well with the communication now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. So if, oh the blue wire goes in the round. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. So anyway.
1: All you get pictures is a lethal weapon and and, <laughs> and rigs asking Murtal, which wire do I cut? And
0: then the, now the clock starts going faster and faster. I just blow up the house.
1: Uh, or, you know, whatever city building it is in downtown Los
0: That's Angeles. right. Or the that's, that's toilet in the bathroom. I don't know. Um.
1: Anyway. So, yeah. Wow. This really took a turn. So, uh,
0: I will say in less, than a, in less than a week, we will be on our way to Vegas. Like, and we're leaving in like one week and a half hour. Yeah. So yeah, that, we are. That's pretty awesome. So, it's actually more than a week. Sorry. Math?
1: It's a little more than a week. I think it's closer to 7 p.m. that we take off. Oh, is it that late? W- Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Blech. That's, I don't like that. I mean, we get in like 11 15 p.m. Vegas time. I know. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> it's it's going to be fun. You're going to be on your way to Vegas. I don't want to hear it. I am going to, but I'm going to be on my way to Vegas with you. Not if I don't pick you up. So <laughs> it's okay. I can't wait to go to Vegas with you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in years past, you've done the picking up. Yes. No, I'm not, not doing that with luggage on a bike. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not riding your, your spider <laughs> to the airport with two bags that yep. weigh 30 pounds right. on my shoulder. Yes. So. That would be quite a sight, though, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. I'd love to see Because, of course, you'd have to be holding four bags because you'd have to hold mine because I have to steer the bike.
1: That's not my problem. So
0: that's uh, okay. Not my problem. So you're picking me up is what you're saying.
1: Um, Maybe. We'll see <laughs> how your attitude goes in the next few days. I think it'll be good. I think
0: it'll be nice. I think it'll be fun.
1: Anyway, um, it's been, as of right now, it's been 1,009 days since we've been to Las Vegas. Oof, that's a lot of days. When we leave, it's uh, 1,016. Yeah. Somebody's calling my house.
0: Ah, hello. That's, uh, and it's Chris
1: Mumphrey. That's who it is. Oh, that jerk. How dare he interrupt our outtake? I know. He, I, if he listens to this, he's going to know he was annoying as hell. Call from Chris Mumphrey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, Muff. I had to do it. I'll be mean, so he's calling again. You know what? Maybe we don't want to talk to you, Chris Mumphrey. We're doing a podcast. We have lives. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm texting him right now. I'm recording. <laughs> he's like, Yeah, but I gotta talk to you, dude. I gotta talk to you. Dan's awesome. I want to tell you how awesome he is. I'm thinking that's what he's not thinking. No, I can guarantee you he's not thinking that. <laughs> not, at all. not at all. Not at all. Anyway,
1: speaking of you not being awesome, are you ready to do
0: this? I am re- always ready to do this, my friend, because you are awesome.
1: What is wrong with you? What you? What do you need? I, I want you to pick me up next week. <laughs> oh, that's fair. <laughs> do not move that air.
0: Uh, I gotta get some <laughs> WD <WD-40>. forty, big time.
1: <laughs> if you mute, don't forget to unmute.
0: Yeah.